Colonel, are you aware, a tall man, probably 5 feet, 11 inches, maybe 6 feet, moved into hospital room 1231 on Space Base Lima Victor November, LVN, started, that you are in the early stages of the care syndrome. I knew, without looking at him, that he possessed the most rugged features I'd ever seen on a man, that he shaved his jet black hair close to his head, that his long face sported a broad nose and soft blue eyes. I knew by hearing his voice. The very treble of his voice made my heart race and my pulse quicken. I shook my head. I couldn't let this happen again. Not now. Not ever. I had my LVN to worry about, and my kids, and my new partner. I could not let this man worm his way back into my heart and my life. How did he get on LVN, and why was he attending to me? In 2100, Earth's armed forces joined together to form a United Nations-like organization called the Freedom Alliance. However, in 2151, a faction of the Freedom Alliance no longer agreed with their rules and regulations, breaking away to create the Crimson Fleet, a collective committed to turning Earth into a one-world, totalitarian government, stripping away every person's right to choose what he will eat, drink, where she will live and what she would do for a living. The Freedom Alliance refused to allow that to happen, thus going to war with the Crimson Fleet. The space base I commanded set close to the front lines of the war, which allowed the frontline vessels to visit when they required more maintenance than could be repaired by their engineers, their crew needed R and R or they had a medical or security problem larger than they could handle. In addition to being a colonel in the Freedom Alliance, I also solved cases in space for the Intergalactic Intelligence Bureau, IIB, a covert organization. I put my hand on my aching, bleeding arm and looked up to meet his gaze. Dr. Morgan, nice to see you again. I was wondering if you, maybe, could, I don't know, take the bullet out of my arm before we go over my medical history? Alex. My name escaped his lips as he let his eyes move up and down me. It's been a while, but we have a history. After all we have been through together, are we seriously going back to formalities like Dr. Morgan and Colonel Madrid? Can we dispense the standard how have you been, tell me about your life since I saw you at that Intel cocktail party 14 years ago portion, Drew, I persisted, holding his gaze, until after you or maybe one of the other doctors, remove the bullet from my arm. And yes, in front of my crew, it will be Dr. Morgan and Colonel Madrid. Lay down, he instructed, hooking my arm up to a diag monitor, a machine that read a person's vitals and did a complete workup without taking a drop of blood. I moved my legs onto the bed and rested against the pillows. Still catching the bad people, I see. He studied my readings for a moment before requiring, will you need a local? When he watched me shake my head, he remarked, same old Alex. Rather grit through the pain than to take anything. He took a scalpel and sterilized it before helping me remove my arm from the sleeve of my black flight coveralls. How did it happen? It happened while taking a person into custody. That's all I can tell you, I advised him as I watched him sterilize the area, then cut into my arm. He nodded and wondered, how did you contract Bakir syndrome? That's only contracted in the remote parts of Tango Fower. He picked up a long tweezer and searched the open wound for the bullet. I tilted my head and admitted, I spent a month there. I was abducted by members of the Crimson Fleet for foiling one of their plots. It was not the whole truth, but a partial truth to prevent him from asking questions he shouldn't. Yes, I know about the neurological problems, the anemia and the fainting spells. He removed the bullet, dropping it into a basin with a click, then irrigated the wound. Actually, 
I was going to ask if you knew about this cutting-edge drug that doctors Amanda Weinhardt and Kendall Maxwell just got FDA approval on for Bakir syndrome. Yeah, Dr. Weinhardt is visiting here tomorrow to get me started on it. She has been living on my friend Jessa's vessel. You remember Jessa, right? When he nodded, I continued, Jessa and her husband Nate contracted Jamon fever taking down a criminal. Dr. Weinhardt is treating Jessa with this promising drug that works better in women for whom the traditional Jamon fever therapy has stopped. I looked over at him and caught his eye. What are you doing on LVN? I am your new chief medical officer. He searched my eyes for a moment. You didn't know? How did you not know? You know everything that happens anywhere you serve. He stitched up the cut. He must have saw me press my lips together out of the corner of his eye because he exclaimed, Oh my lands, you just came back from being held captive, didn't you? How long have you been back? Two hours, I admitted, closing my eyes briefly. I opened them and returned, I haven't even seen my kids yet. My sister. My new partner is supposed to be here by now. I cannot believe the IIB has me babysitting one of their problem children. I rolled my eyes. From what I've heard, he sounds like an entitled rich man who expects everyone to clean up his messes just like Jessa did. That is so not happening here. You have children, he questioned, placing a bandage over the stitches. I nodded. Yeah, I have 11-year-old twins, Dylan and Dakota. What about you? I was sorry to hear about Billy and Veronica. I know you were best friends with them. I adopted their son Seth. He is 14. Are you married? He glanced at my hand. I don't see a ring. Is their dad still in the picture? You adopted Seth? It will be good for you to be responsible for someone besides yourself and your patients. I shrugged my shoulders and answered, looking over at him, their dad is a. You remember him, right? When I caught the way he wrinkled his nose, I recall the animosity between him and Isaiah Zay Grayson, my best friend since high school. He and I dated for a while and got married. We fought all the time. To save our friendship, we annulled the marriage six months later. By that time, I was already pregnant. He and I are better as friends. We know that. He works on board as my chief science officer. I get one of the best science officers in the Freedom Alliance and the kids get time with their dad. It's a win-win situation. That must be interesting, working with your ex-husband, especially when one of you is dating someone else. He doesn't date anyone seriously, and I don't really have time for dating. Just then over his comlet, a wrist-worn communication device, a woman who I recognized as the head nurse, Clarissa Johnson, announced, Dakota Grayson is here to see you again. She is complaining of another sore throat. I will set her up. Nurse Johnson, can you bring her to my hospital room 1231, I answered for the doctor. Colonel, I apologize, I did not know you were back, came her response. I will bring her there as soon as I can. Before the doctor could ask another question, the doors of the room slid open and in ran a young girl with long, dark brown hair. She stood about four foot, four inches with a thin build and a long, broad nose and an ivory complexion. Her baby blue eyes lit up when she spotted me. She closed the gap between us and wrapped her arms around me. Mom. She started to weep as I moved my good arm around her. Be careful, Miss Grayson. I just took a bullet out of her arm. Let me go get an antibiotic for her. When I heard the door swish behind him, I ventured, smoothing her hair, Dax, what's wrong? You were gone for a month. 
Dad didn't know where you were and when you were coming back. He tried to act calm, but Dill and I knew he was worried. I was so scared. I'm so glad you are home. Sweetheart, I advised, pulling her away so I could see her, some bad people held me captive, but no matter what happens, I will always do everything in my power to get back to you and your brother. I will never leave you alone. That's why your dad lives on LVN with us. I wiped her tears away with my thumb. You feeling okay? I heard you have been coming in here with sore throats. How is it now? She studied me. I could see her debating in her head, knowing this conversation could quickly turn very right or very wrong. Let me guess, your throat feels fine now that you know I am back and okay, I interpreted, running my fingers through her hair. When she nodded, I kissed her head. Just then the doctor walked back in with a bag. I hope I am not interrupting. He looked over at Dax and prompted, You did not tell me that you were Alexandra Madrid's daughter, that your mom was the commander of the LVN. Do you know my mom? The first time I met your mother was in my chemistry class at the academy. She had the same long, wavy, blondish-brown hair, he proceeded, hooking the bag up to and four, pulled into a ponytail and these incredible, connecting the drip to my arm, deep cobalt blue eyes that the males in the room used to get lost in. He turned to look at me, then moved his eyes to Dax. She was my chemistry partner that semester. I had such a crush on her, and so did most of the guys. She was all business, though. She was there to become a Freedom Alliance officer. Nothing more. Nothing less. Most of the single guys have a crush on her here too, but she won't give them the time of day, except, Dax replied, rolling her eyes, that man who comes here all the time that grandma wants her to marry. She is still trying to get you to marry that lock guy, the doctor countered, waiting until I met his gaze. She is persistent, isn't she? She didn't even let up when I married Zay. She is afraid I will end up with no one to take care of me and the kids because I am wasting my life on my career. According to her, a woman needs to be married and contributing to her husband's career. This is not the 1500s. I'm doing fine with my two jobs and raising my kids. Speaking of guys, mom, Dax interjected, resting her head on my shoulder, there is this tall, good-looking guy who has been looking for you. Says his name is Antonio or something. I invited him to dinner when you came back. He has been hanging out a lot with Aunt Abby. I retrieved my Quan pad, a device that held the memory of an entire quantum computer. I called up a picture of my new partner. I turned it to face her. Is this the man? I watched her nod. That's my new partner. Mr. Ashton, to you and your brother. Drew met my eyes and asked, as in. I nodded and put my finger to my lips. Let's not tell my mother because he is single and famous. He would be the one person to get her off me marrying Locke and on to marrying him. I've heard too many stories about my new partner to even think about getting involved. Unfortunately, my sister doesn't have that much sense. I looked over at Dax. He is Rena and Caleb's biological father. The deadbeat drunk is your new partner? Drew laughed. Dax. She shrugged. You taught me to be honest. She is definitely your daughter. She reminds me of you before you became jaded. I am not jaded. I just have experience more than most people, I protested, catching his eye. The hairs on my arms stood up. Something happened. I removed myself from the diagonal. Monitor. I grabbed the fourth pole and rushed through the doors and navigated my way to the front entrance just as medics rolled a gurney with a man with thick, severely brushed, 
jet black hair and dark brown eyes on it. His eyes now blackened. Marks marred his rugged features. Blood covered his thin lips and goatee. My heart raced as I surveyed the man's torn white, long-sleeved shirt and jeans. What happened to him? Was he on his way to see me? Why else would he visit LVN? Do you know this man? One of the blonde-haired female medics asked, watching me. I nodded and fingered the gold cross hanging around his neck. Yes, he is my friend. Ethan Locke. I bought him this necklace. I touched his face, realizing how cool it was. Is he? The medic responded. Dead. Yes, quite. He was in a spacecraft accident on Sierra Seeks and was transported here. He died on the way. What was he doing on Sierra Seeks? That's the man who came to visit mom, Dr. Morgan, Dax decided, moving to my side. I pulled her in close. My comlet chimed, preceded by Colonel Madrid, this is General Graham. We've had intel reports. Hold on, I said as I pressed my thumb to the center of my comlet. Let me get to a secure location. I moved away from the group, located an empty room and ducked into it. I spoke into my comlet, go ahead, General. We have intel reports that Ethan Locke is missing in your vicinity. Last we heard from him someone was trying to kill him. They succeeded. He was just brought in, I responded, then sighed. I felt around in the secret compartment of my black flight coveralls. Relieved to find the $100 bill my grandmother taught me to carry with me at all times, just in case in my sidearm. My mother is going to be so upset. Was she friends with him? Graham questioned. She's friends with his parents. Ethan and I have been promised to each other since we were babies. Promised to each other? As in an arranged marriage? Exactly. Ethan was in a spacecraft crash on Sierra Seeks. He looked pretty bad. From the intel reports, we suspect it was murder. It's you and your new partner's first assignment once you settle back into your routine. He lowered his voice and asked, How are you? I filed the report. Yes, I read it, but I want to know how you are. What you went through has got to be a lot to process. I am fine. I just want to see my kids and get back into my routine. Could you send me the intel reports you've received? Okay, but if you need anyone to talk. I am fine. Thanks for your concern. Then I disconnected the communique and headed back to find Drew and Dax. When I found them, still studying the body. I put my hands on my daughter's shoulders and started, Dax, since you are better, please go back to class. I will see you at dinner. When she hesitated, I motioned her to go. When she left, I walked around Ethan and decided, from the marks on his arms and neck and the skin under his nails, I suspect he fought with his murderer either while on the shuttlecraft or before, and he was trying to escape. In the first scenario, was another body found, or did the person parachute out? Aren't my team and I supposed to make those determinations, Drew countered, gesturing to the facility around him. I was making forensic observations. You get to make medical ones at the autopsy. I touched Ethan's cheek with mine and whispered, I am sorry, E, but I am going to find your killer. We are going to find his killer, I heard a voice say. I looked up into the Pacific blue eyes of a tall man with spiky, blondish brown hair dressed in a black, long-sleeved shirt and pressed jeans. Yes, we are, Agent Ashton. I held his eyes for a moment. We both know how you ended up on the LVN. I am not going to coddle you. I am not going to be your mama, best friend or cleanup crew. 
you will be expected to work hard and stay clean, or, well, you are aware of the consequences. He shoved his hands in his pockets and confirmed, I am extremely aware. I am grateful you are taking a chance on me. You won't regret it. Being an agent is all I've ever wanted to be. I better not. I glanced at the body. Join us for dinner, if you'd like. I'm going to my office to make a call to his parents. I have plans with your sister. Were you too close, Tony questioned, watching how I moved my fingers through Ethan's hair before stroking his cheek. We were close friends, I agreed, touching Ethan's shoulder. I wrinkled my nose. I'm going to have to tell my mother, I whispered to Ethan. You know she is going to accuse me of killing you myself, so I wouldn't have to marry you. Marry him, Tony repeated, catching my eye. Are you sure we should be handling this case? It sounds like a conflict of interest for you. I shook my head and said with grave deliberation, Ethan Locke and I were just friends. It's our parents who wanted us to marry. We were promised to each other as infants. They wanted to join Madrid Industries and Locke Enterprises. We were okay with the merger. Just not the marriage. Ethan Locke, demanded Tony, moving his fingers through his hair. Is he any relation to Tara Locke who tried to kill Jessa and put Jessa's heart in her sick brother Philippe? Their father, Adrian Locke, is Ethan's uncle, I revealed, looking up at Tony. Philippe is high in the Crimson Fleet, so that is the first place we are going to look for Ethan's killer. He is still sweet on Jessa, Tony insisted, pressing his shoulder to the wall near the doors. We may have to bring Jessa in to do the peacock dance with him. Jessa refuses to go near Philippe? Every time she brings up his name, Nate gets upset. Understandably so. Jessa had to convince people she was dead because of that maniac sister. Wow, Drew interjected, gesturing to the body on the gurney, as fascinating as this all is, we have a body that we need to get out of the lobby. I'm going to have it wheeled into pathology, so they can get started on the autopsy. If they are backed up, you may have to wait on the results. In any case, you need to get back to bed. I took a bullet out of you. Rest and recuperation are in order. What will it take to get you to let me rest in my quarters with my children? You could set up a diag monitor, and for, check on me every few hours. You know as well as I do, I am a bad patient, and the arrangement I am proposing will be beneficial to me, as well as you because you will not hear me asking, when are you going to release me? Drew thought about it for a moment and decided, wagging his thumb at me, but you have to rest. You can do the administrative duties from your bed to keep you from going stir-crazy, and me or one of my staff will be visiting every few hours without fail. I considered that, then consented, okay, but if you are going to visit that often, you might as well stay for dinner, bring Seth. I would love to visit with him again. Drew pouted. And see I thought you wanted to catch up with me. I thought we said everything at that intel party 14 years ago where we almost got kicked out for making a scene. Tony gestured to Drew and required, you have history with this guy? I glanced over at Tony and admitted, we used to date. We were engaged, Alex. We were inseparable for ten years. We were living together until you kept leaving in the middle of the night, Drew corrected with his hands on his hips, taking calls and rushing off, being incognito for weeks at a time. No ETA of when you were coming back. My wife used to do that before she got killed, Tony recalled, meeting my gaze with his sad one. I wondered if he was going to talk about his dead wife all the time. From what I gathered his wife died five years ago, and Tony drowned his sorrows in booze ever since. Then a thought struck me. 
Did his wife, Tracy I believe her name was, have any connection to the project? Did she disappear for the same reason I did? I didn't know, but I made a mental note to find out. I felt like finding out why a dead woman disappeared all those years ago might be significant. Maybe it would give Tony closure. Perhaps he thought she was having an affair. It was, and still is, because of a top-secret project, Dr. Morgan, I persisted, moving my eyes from Drew to Tony several times. I was not having an affair, but since you refuse to even entertain that what I have been telling you is the truth, I have said all, all I am going to say on the subject, I pressed my lips together and then retracted, actually, no, glancing at Tony, your mother, looking back to Drew, is asking for skilled doctors for this project. I recommended you. I thought it would be right up your alley. This is the kind of thing you love to sink your teeth into. Just read the information his mother sends you. That's all I am asking. His mother. As in, she knows about this? It has been a project dear to the heart of the White House for five generations, I provided, tilting my head to the side. And it is near and dear to the Freedom Alliance as well. I am privileged to have been a part of it for going on twenty years. Drew shook his head and decided, no, I cannot get involved. I cannot lose my sense of responsibility. I have to think about Seth. He moved his eyes over me and chided, until this project, I thought you were a responsible, decent person. Now you are willing to leave your children for this project? That is just like you to convict me without even reading the information on this project. I am not leaving my children unattended. I am leaving them with their father, and the head of this project knows not to schedule Zay and I on this project at the same time. Zay is involved too? I cut my eyes and turned around to take a deep breath. Then I swung back to face him. Yes. I grabbed the wall as my head started to spin. Doctor, can we get me set up in my quarters right away? I am feeling a bit lightheaded. I'm sure it is from the gunshot wound, or maybe it is the Bakir syndrome, but usually the symptoms don't present until a month or two after contracting it. Or you know what it could be? It could be that I was held captive for the last month with little food, water or sleep. Yeah, I'm no doctor, but I am going with the last one. Tony laughed. You are direct and sassy. I like you already. Jessa said I would. When he caught the doctor's monstrous glare, he took my arm, leading me to the hallway. Let's get you back to your room. You, I like. I am not sure about that doctor of yours. He seems a bit self-righteous if you ask me. From that display back there, I tend to agree, I consented when we turned into room 1231. I climbed back onto the bed and wondered, I'm curious. Did you think Tracy that is your wife's name, right? I saw him nod, so I continued, did you think she was having an affair when she would disappear and take calls in the middle of the night? The thought crossed my mind. Especially when I found out she had been partnered with Jessa's first husband Ben. I thought maybe they had an affair, but Jessa believed in them far more than I did. I don't understand how given her past. I think, I am not sure, I said, putting up my hand, but, from what you said, I think that your wife might have been a part of this project. I can't be certain until I do some digging, but, from what you described of her behavior, that is what I suspect. I shook my head and decided, I would hate it if, in the back of your mind, you believed her of cheating on you when there was a reasonable, even noble, explanation. I would hate for you to believe about her what Dr. Morgan believes about me. Just then my Quan pad beeped. I glanced down to see a message from Jessa. I read the note, I am sorry to hear about Ethan. Here is the information my friend Johnny sent me. 
I noticed the file attached to her communique. I gestured to the Quan pad. Wow. Ethan was just brought in here, and Johnny, Jess's friend, has already got information for us. Tony laughed again. Yeah, Jessa doesn't know how he does it either. Always getting the information for her right after she is handed a case or after something happens. Then we are just going to be grateful, I decided, scanning the information. I didn't notice when Drew returned. He sat on the edge of the bed, hooked me back up to the diagon monitor and studied the readings. When I heard the humming, I looked at him. Your fever is high, but I am not sure whether it is from the Bakir syndrome or the bullet I took out of your arm. I tend to believe it is from the bullet because, as you pointed out, Bakir symptoms don't present this quickly. There is no indication that this is an exception. I'm going to let you rest here for about an hour while we set things up in your quarters. I want to give the antibiotic a chance to work. I nodded and insisted, configuring the pillows behind me, I am feeling a little drained. I think I am going to take a nap. Oh, now I know there is something wrong, Drew countered, scrutinizing the readings again. You never willingly admit that you are tired and agree to take a nap without arm pulling. Did I mention that part where I have been held captive for a month with little food or sleep, I questioned, darting my eyes from Drew to Tony and back again. I dashed off a note to my contacts on my Quan pad. Then I put it on the nightstand next to me, looking up at Tony. I'm going to get some sleep. Tony, that will give you time to tap your contacts, and for mine to respond. I moved my eyes to Drew and added, and for you to see whether the antibiotic is working and to set up the equipment in my quarters. I settled under the covers and let myself drift off to sleep.